All right. Good morning to everyone. So glad that you could all be with us um, this morning. So, Father, we thank you for this time that we can be together. Thank you, God, that we can come under just your cloud of insight, your cloud of teaching. Father, we pray for your anointing to flow uh, through Ben and Greg and myself and the whole staff as we're putting together this conference. We pray that life would be released. We thank you for the deep and rich insights, God, that are given to us in the word about the prophetic ministry. Let it be like manna. Let it be, Father God, just strengthening to our hearts. We give you praise. We give this conference to you, God, for the upbuilding of your church. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Pastor Ben, let's give him a warm welcome. So how many of you actually took off time from work to participate in this? Y'all are crazy. No, um, you know, it is a sacrifice. I know it's also sort of a mini vacation. I get it. But it is a sacrifice. And um, God rewards that. I don't know how he does it, but he does. So uh, it's a privilege to be here. Um, gosh, how many years have I been coming here? Seems like forever. Yeah, it seems like forever, 10 years. Um, one of the reasons why we're doing this is... Uh, there are things for five stones. Um, God wants to just really download and solidify and strengthen so that five stones could not just know more about the prophetic, but to actually further equip five stones as a church family to do what it's called to do. And uh, that excites me. That excites me. So I'm going to pray, and we'll just lay some foundations now, some of the things I'm going to be sharing, this is such a prophetic church, the foundations have already been laid, but um, I'm talking more about the foundations for this conference, not for the prophetic. Um, Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you've done, uh, what you are doing, who you are, but right now we, we, we take time to thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit to us. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Uh, not only do you dwell amongst us, you dwell inside us. That's just an amazing thing. You're the one, Holy Spirit, that makes Jesus real to us and in us and through us. Uh, you're the one who teaches us. Um, so it's great that you're with us, but unless you do what only you can do, we'll feel like we're missing something. So, Holy Spirit, would you do what only you can do during this conference? Uh, speak to our minds, speak to our hearts, speak to our lives. Amen. Okay, uh, I'm going to talk about how does God, to, how, how can we know how God communicates? And um, there's a very Western approach where you say, well, here's this goal, here's what we want to do, and we try to draw a straight line so that we can learn how God communicates. But if you've ever noticed that in the kingdom of God, almost everything is indirect. Almost everything worth pursuing or experiencing God is indirect. You know, if you, there are things that you know you need. God says if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then those things will be added. I don't know about you, but I, I'm, well, being American, I like to just, what's the goal? Equip me, and I'll go do it. And I found that, that, that concrete, linear approach to the kingdom 
produces frustration in my life. Maybe not in yours. But so the prophetic, we can pursue learning how to hear God. We can pursue it as if it's some sort of goal. Um, but I think there's a better approach for us to learn how to commu- hear how God communicates to us and then ideally uh, to, to, to be in a better position to be able to communicate to others uh, what, what God wants to speak to them. Uh, let me just set a couple definitions. Um, prophecy, uh, the very definition of prophecy. Um, not what prophecy does, but the definition of prophecy is found in Revelation, I think it's 19, where it says the, 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 spirit, of pro- uh, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, the word spirit there, it can mean like wind or breath, but I believe in this context it means just the essence. The very essence of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. And how I break that down, the word testimony, is more a matter of it's an expression, demonstration, revelation of of, of the reality of Jesus. There's something that the Holy Spirit does, that he, he takes from Jesus and then reveals himself to people, through people, to build people up. It's, prophecy actually is very simple. Uh, it's, it's one thing to define prophecy as God likes to reveal his passions, how he feels about things, um, how he thinks about things, his perspectives, uh, his plans and his purposes. This is brought to you by the letter P. Um, but, and sometimes just the revelation of the very person of Jesus, and, uh, and sometimes the power of Jesus. The Holy Spirit, that's what he likes to do, to make what Jesus has done, what he is doing, who he is, making it real to us and in us and ultimately through us. That's the very essence of prophecy. It's simple. And the model is actually simple. If, if there's someone you want to talk to or God wants to talk to, you don't, you don't get a reading on them. I mean, I've heard so many people go, wow, gosh, I, they're really hard to prophesy over. Can't get a read. Well, guess what? We're not supposed to read them. We're actually supposed to read what God is saying about them. And the idea that God's going, oh man, he's really closed off. I just don't know what to say. That's sort of a crazy idea. So it's pretty simple. We just sort of lean into Jesus. And by the Spirit, Jesus gives a little bit of how he thinks and how he feels. And hopefully we communicate that through a heart of love and wisdom to people. Why? So we can show off how spiritual we are. No. We do it to build people up, to strengthen them, to comfort them, maybe to impart some things, open their eyes to see that their life has more purpose and meaning than they're currently experiencing. That, that's all prophecy is, just taking from Jesus by the Spirit and communicating. It is so simple. And as a matter of fact, Scripture tells us that we can all prophesy. What's fascinating is it doesn't say we can all prophesy well. It's true. We, we, especially as Christians, we, because of our relationship with Jesus, we can, we may, we have permission and we have the capacity 
to communicate God's heart and mind to other people. Now, there's a lot of things that God gives us that we have to work on to get better at. Like, I don't know, Rich probably, when he first started preaching, is probably all perfect. But when I first did it, God threw people a bone through my, I mean, oh, geez. You know, and I had the gift. I had God's permission to exercise the gift, and I had the capacity, and I exercised it, and maybe like 0.035% was God, and the rest was my best efforts, right? Um, you learn how to exercise and walk in and grow in the capacities that God gives us. And part of what I want to talk about is how does God want us to grow in our capacity to, to understand how God communicates to us and also to grow in our capacity to communicate what God's thinking and feeling through us? We can grow. Wherever you are right now in your walk with God, we can always, I don't want to say do better, but we can all grow in our ability to communicate God's heart. And that's what we want to do, right? Um, Again, we're told that everybody can prophesy. We're, my approach is not going to be, how can you learn how to prophesy? God likes it, but he's got a better way. He would much rather develop a prophetic person or a prophetic lifestyle. Now, as a caveat, I'd say, listen, a lot of people think that in order to be prophetic, well, I'm going to be a prophetic person, that all of a sudden you've got to turn on the weird button. You know, yes, Lord. You know, walking in Walmart or, yes, Lord. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, and, or, or communicating things in ways that nobody, nobody understands, not even God. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They, in order to be, be prophetic, you've got to say really weird, great stuff, you know. Um, God is not as interested in prophetic events as he is in prophetic lifestyles. For example, I believe it's in Matthew um, chapter 7, uh, the, you know, these people go to Jesus and go, look, look at all the things we did. You know, we raised the dead, we healed the sick, and oh, we prophesied in your name. And Jesus doesn't say, well, no, you didn't. What he does say is, mm, get away from me, I never knew you. This is a fascinating thing. The way I read it is, these people could prophesy. They actually did those things by the Spirit of God, but that didn't really impress Jesus. He would have much rather had those things done out of relationship with him. And, and that's the better way. Uh, matter of fact, um, one of the differences between King Saul and, and David, both of them were prophetic. You know, when the Holy Spirit came on Saul, um, you know, he started prophesying, and even the people go, uh, went, is not Saul now one of the prophets? I mean, he was doing the deal. And we all, we all know that David had a real strong prophetic thing. Whose words are recorded in Scripture? David's. Why? Because he was more Jewish than Saul? No, right? It had to do with his relationship with the Lord. When, when Saul screwed up, um, when he compromised in, 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 um, in obeying God's directives. His response was, oh Lord, well he, he went to Samuel and he goes, look, come back with me 
And if you'll just come back with me and let everybody, let everybody know that everything's fine, even though I compromised, um, that would be really good. He was very concerned with his, his position in the kingdom and his reputation. Really concerned about that. And David, when he compromised, and he did it royally, you know, like committed adultery, tried to cover it up, then, you know, conspiracy to commit murder. Actually, he, they did all that sort of stuff. David ended up a lot better than Saul. But what David did was a lot worse. And David's words are recorded in Scripture. David's response to getting nailed with his foolishness was, Lord, um, would you please forgive me? It's in Psalm 51. Uh, just forgive all my sins. Restore, restore relationship with me. Don't, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. And if you'll do that, then I will teach transgressors your ways. He wasn't even bargaining about his position or reputation. He was more concerned with his relationship and then his capacity to impact other people. He went, look, I screwed up. Please forgive me. Actually, it's worse than I thought. I was sinful from birth, <laughs> right? It's not just what I've done. It's who I am. And so he, he was forgiven by God. He said, now, if you'll do that, that, that restoration of relationship, I'll teach transgressors your ways. That's an amazing thing. He was saying, if we'll reconnect, I'll teach other people not to do the stupid things I did. And to those people who did stupid things, I'll show them how God restores. And it's just an amazing thing. And you know, Saul, Saul's history after that wasn't so good. David's, he had to go through consequences. But mm, God restored him, and he really was a source of blessing you know, for, for the for the whole nation. God is more interested in prophetic lifestyles than simply learning how to prophesy. Although, you got to start somewhere. You know, if, if your lifestyle isn't great, but you get in a position where, oh God, use me, and you speak something, we'll take it. That's great. I mean, God's not going to go, well, it's not perfect, you know. If you just had a perfect lifestyle, then I could use you. Now, we want to learn how to prophesy, but it would be better. The better way is to be able to partner with God so that we develop a prophetic lifestyle, and out of that, how we communicate will have impact. So that's my approach, and I'm going to just go through a, a list of things that will help us grow in those areas. Please do not look at this list. Uh, as, as rules or things that qualify you um, to communicate God's heart and mind. These are just helps. They're reliable ways through which, you know, if you just put them into practice in your life, you will find that you will grow not only prophetically, you'll just actually grow in your relationship with Jesus. And so that's, that's my approach to growing in prophecy, okay? So these... Uh, I got a bunch of them, um, and they all start with the word be, B-E, like be this and be that. Um, it's very encouraging. It's very positive. It, there's, there's no don'ts in this. There's a lot of bees, okay? So here's the first one. If you want to grow in your capacity to know how God communicates to you 
if you want to grow in your capacity to communicate God's heart and mind to other people, here's the first B. Be encouraged. You have to remind yourself, Jesus actually wants us to grow prophetically. He wants us. As a matter of fact, he commands us. 1 Corinthians 14, um, verse 1. Um, Paul does not say, okay, you leaders, I want you to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Or especially you gifted ones, or you more spiritually mature ones. No, no, no. This is scripture for the whole body. The immature and the mature. It's a, and it, it's a command. There's an imperative. Earnestly desire the supernatural expressions of Jesus. Especially prophecy. I could spend a lot of time on why that is, but if you're married, how many of you are married? Okay. You know, you know the stereotype, you know, the lady sitting there going, honey, would you just communicate more? Tell me you love me. Right? And you go, oh, honey, look, I said I loved you when we got married. If I change my mind, <laughs> I'll let you know. You know. But please, you could do a whole bunch of really great things. But there's something about talking. Amen. There's something about communicating that, that is really the lifeblood of any kind of relationship. And, and, and God's sitting there going, I want you all to earnestly desire the supernatural expressions of me, especially my nature as a communicator. That I, I, I don't just set off the rules, that I have an idea. I want to communicate to and through my people. Um, so be encouraged. God actually wants us to desire prophecy. Now, what usually gets in the way is some of us are just so shy, or some of us are, well, you know, God, I'd love to prophesy, but, you know, I hate people, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Or I'm just not a good public speaker and all this sort of stuff. All these things that we use to, to make that command optional, uh, you might want to look, you know, re-look re at those things and go, maybe God, through that command, wants to grow you or strengthen you in the areas that you use as excuses. That's a funny thing. Also, you might get rid of the idea, some of your ideas of what it is to actually prophesy. My wife, I mean, I'm a prophet, and I prophesy, and who knows what that actually looks like in the eyes of other people, but whatever it is I do and however I do it, my wife does not do that, all right? And she'll go, well, you're the prophetic one. <laughs> That's absolutely crazy. There's sometimes she'll just, you know, pray a little bit, and then she'll go, you know, and what comes out of her mouth is just pure Holy Spirit, and I hate it. I'm just mad at her, you know? Um, but it comes out of her relationship. And she'll even say things. I go, that was prophetic. Oh, no, it wasn't. I was just sort of thinking about it. Sometimes our ideas of what it is for us to prophesy need to be dismantled, okay? Anyway, so God wants us to grow prophetically. He commands us. Um, he, he wants us to be a demonstration that God is a communicator, and he doesn't just tell us to do things and then say, well, go fend for yourself. Um, we have actually been created by God to understand how he communicates to us. Um, you can just write these things down. In Isaiah 50, verses 4 through 5, he will awaken our spiritual ears. If you go, well, I just don't hear from God. Well, 
then take the thing that you think disqualifies you and submit that to God and he'll, he'll, awaken, he'll, he'll awaken your spiritual ears. He'll even, he may, may even give us things that we can see like in our mind's eye, sometimes open visions, but many times in our mind's eye and we won't have any idea what the heck is that. That's the beginning of a conversation between you and God. Many times God will give a prophet like this vision and then he'll go, so what do you see? Well, I see an almond branch. Well, good, good job. You saw accurately. And then the smart thing is for the guy to go, okay, what does that mean? Then God gives him the interpretation. So there's many times God will show us stuff and that's the beginning of a dialogue where God's actually teaching us how he communicates. Um, and he'll also open the eyes of our hearts. Yeah, y'all are really smart. You're smart people, right? And I'm a smart person, but there's something about the prophetic. It's not ooey-gooey, emotional, but there's something about how our heart sees things that's very different than how our pure intellect uh, sees things. And, you know, in Ephesians chapter 1, it says, you know, God really wants to open up the eyes of our heart so we get it, so we understand things in a way that brings life to ourselves and, and others. So the first thing is be encouraged. You know, there is a little, little bit of push there when God says, look, I really want you to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. It's like an assignment from God. And you can wilt under that, but, or you can go, huh, God is encouraging me to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially, you know, communicating God's heart and mind. That's what he wants me to do. Hmm. He'll equip me to do it if I say yes. So be encouraged. Here's a second B. Be open. Um, be open to the many ways that God communicates to us and through us. Um, when I say be open, I really mean be open. Not open-minded in the sense that you know, when the wind blows, you hear whistles. You know? A lot of people think that be open-minded is just to believe anything. And, but to be open is to realize that there's a wide variety of ways that God communicates to us. And look, in personal relationships, again, if you're married, if you think your wife only speaks to you in one way, you're in trouble, man. <laughs> you're in trouble. Oh, my, my wife is always speaking to me when she wants to tell me something, she will, she will use words and tell me, oh, good luck with that. <laughs> Sometimes she'll just go, you better figure out what that means, right? <laughs> Or when you ask, is you okay? And, and your wife just goes, fine. <laughs> yeah, th there's a lot more than, okay? We, we want to be open um, to the, the, the reason, another reason I'm saying this is, did you know that there are people who take great pride in the way that God speaks to them? Well, God speaks to me in visions. Well, maybe he does. But do you think he might also communicate to you in whispers or just little nudges or a song popping in your head. There are some people, they limit themselves as if, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a specialist. You know, I, I just open visions. That's the way God speaks to me. Well, maybe, maybe. But is that the only way that God speaks to you? Is that the only way God communicates to you? Like when you read the Bible and the Holy Spirit quickens Scripture, do you all of a sudden get this big vision? Probably not. But if you're not careful, you'll miss 
the gentle uh, nudges that the Holy Spirit gives to communicate things to us. And well, here, here I'm just going to go through a whole bunch of different ways. Um, one is, I know this is sort of a bummer, sometimes scripture. <laughs> no, really, well, you know, I don't have a prophetic word, but God gave me this scripture for you. You know? Um, but sometimes God will just sort of... Scripture that you hadn't been thinking of. By the way, the Holy Spirit, I mean, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will remind you of the things that I've spoken to you. The Holy Spirit will just sort of give you a scripture. Um, Sometimes it'll be a strong impression of a biblical principle or a story or, 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 or a person in the Bible. There's so many people, I'll look at them and go, man, when I look at you, I keep on thinking of David in a certain respect. And so this, the, the David framing um, becomes very important. Sometimes you get mental pictures, movies. You know, the, in your mind's eye, many times you just start, well, for me, I just see things that, you know, and then I just describe what I see and just hope for the best. Right? Sometimes you get open visions, which I do not believe in God's economy are somehow of higher authority than the little nudgings of the Holy Spirit. Scripture tells us he does all things well. So if God, God just nudges you to do something, you know, well, that's really no big deal. You know, it's just a nudge. And you think that I'm just waiting for the more important words. Mm. You may miss out. Because maybe you, God is, is leading you to give that prophetic word to your kid who's struggling with something that you don't even know anything about. And if you gave him a big vision, it would scare the stuff out of him. Okay? Dreams. Many times God, God will speak to you in dreams. You know, the hard part is going, if you have real vivid dreams, then it's like, well, is that me? You know, this is how I'm processing my anxiety or my unresolved issues with my father, you know, things like that. Or is it pizza or is it really God, all right? <laughs> and, we can, you know, we can talk about that maybe in the Q&A, but God will give you a dream, and uh, if he doesn't give you the interpretation, you don't have to run around just asking anybody, I had this dream, what do you think? What do you think? You know, you'll go crazy. Dreams and their interpretations belong to God. So if you get a dream, say, God, what does this mean? And I'm telling you, if you're on a need-to-know basis, believe me, at the right time, the Holy Spirit will, will give you an interpretation. It's, it's the craziest thing. Sometimes, you, oh man, this dream, right? And then someone talks about something completely unrelated to your dream, but all of a sudden you go, that's what my dream... So I've seen so many people get their underwear high up between their cheeks going, oh no, I just need to know what this dream is. You know what, I mean, that's a picture of religious stress that you will never be able to unsee until you get to heaven. I can't believe I... Yes, I can. Yeah. I would like to believe that I can't believe that I did that, but... Sometimes God will speak through songs. And uh, I've only done that once. But have you ever just sort of, for no reason, start singing a song? Just sort of comes to you? Well, one time there's this, uh, this couple. No, no, this is just this lady. The husband didn't believe in all this stuff, so she just went up all by herself. And I'm looking at her, and I could t 
Holy Spirit was showing me that she was uh, struggling with depression. And, you know, I had the picture of a cloud over her, right? And um, ever see the movie Gone with the Wind? If you haven't, it's a great, great old movie, very long. But there's a song, the theme song. Anyway, I'm looking at her, and all of a sudden, I have this song, and I'm going, Michael Cotton, I'm going, Michael, I'm going to have to sing. And he goes, he just went, all right, go ahead. <laughs> and I had no idea. So I, as I'm walking up to her, don't try this at home. Actually, don't try this in public. And I just went up to her, and I go, look, the Lord says that you've been struggling with depression, and you've just been just such a champion in you know, fighting the battles and all. She starts crying. And it's like you... Uh, that, that's your lot in life. You, you see the cloud come, it stays for a while, then it goes, and you're going to persevere, and God says, you know, good job. But starting today, that cloud will leave you. It will be gone with the wind. And then I hummed it really loud. <laughs> and, you know, Michael is just going, I do not know this guy. <laughs> yeah. But no, it was really an interesting thing. And before everybody's eyes, her countenance just went boom. But anyway, sometimes just singing. God will give you something to sing. Um, musical instruments. If you ever, you know, people who really know what they're doing with a musical instrument, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will get on them. And they'll play something. And they'll have an anointing that will come off. And it will set people... God will speak to people's minds and hearts through anointed music. And, and we're not making this up. That's what David did. David learned the prophetic value of music as, as, as a survival tool, right? I mean, da David's sitting there, you know, just learning how to duck, you know, spears. And so what, I, he, what he had to do is, man, what, how do I stop this? Give me a guitar. Maybe this will work. And it always calmed him down. And he, I'm telling you, that was such an important thing. He learned the importance of worship when he worshiped God all by himself with all, all the sheep. That was one thing. But he learned the power of it for ministering to other people and dealing with... The, there was no other way he could figure out that, that, that worship by the Spirit can set people free or at least save his life. Um, prophetic actions, there's so many in there where people do something, they behave in a certain way, and that's one of the ways that God wants to communicate something. There's this, uh, his name is George. Uh, years ago in Chapel Hill, um, never met him. He, he was about 12 years old, and, and he's a, but he's a little guy. And uh, I just went to him, George, get on that chair. And he goes, okay. Turn around. Okay. So he has his butt to me, right? And I go, all right, just widen your legs. And everybody's going, oh, this is going to go bad really quick. And I said, I'm going to put you on my shoulders on my shoulders, he started crying. And I said, this is what God wants. He wants to lift you up so you can see farther. You know, it's like there's a whole bunch of people that are getting in your way. You're, God's a father. He, it was such an emotional thing. And just that thing just broke him in a million pieces. And then he starts sharing with me what's actually going on at home. Because, you know, like, oh my gosh, you know, dad's just, you know, trying to survive because mom can't be left alone because she cuts herself. And, and so 
crazy, crazy stuff that opened up a door for me to minister to that family. It was just a great thing, you know, but, you know, don't make this stuff up, right? Um, but God can, it's a prophetic action. Um, sometimes, and I think many of you, just w- take a walk in nature. You know, don't be hugging a tree and doing, you know, don't, don't do that. I mean, you can, you can, but don't do it because I love you, God. Don't do that. But there's something about God will speak through what you see. There's just sometimes God will use nature to communicate his, his design, his purposes, his sovereignty. Um, and just circumstances. Just a prophetic person is not always looking, oh God, are you going to do something spiritual? But if you develop this lifestyle, you can see certain circumstances and you go, I know what this means. I know what this is for. I know what God is doing in your life just by attending to the circumstances. So be encouraged. Be open. Here's another one. Be filled. This is one of the few places where it's good to be full of it. Um, There's two things I think it would be good for us to be full of. One is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And how how I break that down is... God is not commanding us to behave in a certain way or, or saying we have to have certain sorts of experiences. He's talking about a lifestyle. And to be, to be continually and increasingly surrendered to the person and ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's what I believe be, be, be filled with the Holy Spirit really means. Now, it's really interesting. Like if, if, if you started every day and said, Lord, this day... Fill me with your Holy Spirit. You might get an experience, right? You know, gold glitter, right? Or your teeth get filled. Or the, the, an angel just sort of slaps you down. I mean, you can have all that sort of stuff. But if you don't have any of those things, when you say, Lord, this day, I surrender, he may comfort you in areas that you've never been comforted for. He may give you wisdom for something that you've been, you know, or, or just, you know, just the leading of God. Or you go, gosh, there's this one guy. He didn't believe in all this Holy Spirit stuff. He said, just ask God to fill you and see what he does. Well, we, we have our interns, and I do a pretty long series on the Spirit-filled life. And their job is to, every day, every morning, say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit, and then see what he does. Well, this guy came in after like the third week. He's really excited. He goes, all right, I believe this stuff. Okay, give us your testimony. He says, well, up until now, I always felt that when, when, the, when the sign said 55 miles an hour, that really meant 60. But I was driving, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, I knew it was the Holy Spirit. He goes, you're speeding. <laughs> and, he, and I had an argument with God, but he was right. So, just that little thing, little thing, to be filled with the Holy Spirit There are so many things that the Holy Spirit does, and we can't dictate to the Holy Spirit how he ministers to us. We can only put ourselves in a position to be aware of what he's done. He may lead you into some truth. He may comfort you. He may convict you. He may call you and lead you. He may impart some stuff to you. There's a whole wide variety of ways that the Holy Spirit can communicate to us. 
We just have to put ourselves in a position of, this day I choose to be surrendered. And it doesn't have to be this weepy, oh, I surrender. Just choose and see what God does. The other one, and tied to this, it's it's not a requirement, but praying in tongues is not just a really cool, weird, charismatic thing. I mean, it is weird. It's really weird, right? But praying in tongues, according to the Bible, um, has very, very practical application, all right? When you pray in the Holy Spirit, in Jude, it says, uh, when you pray in the Holy Spirit, it builds you up in your most holy faith. How does it do that? No clue. But if you do that, you'll be, uh, some of it, you know, Scripture says, we really don't know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit in us knows how to pray. Isn't that interesting? Um, when, 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 we, when we pray in the Holy Spirit, we can give thanks to God well enough. I mean, how many times have you found it really hard to give thanks to God in all circumstances? Right? There's times you go, oh God, can I kill this one? You know, or can I just swear a little bit? Right? When you pray in tongues, when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you can actually, it's, I think it's like cheating. You just go, Give thanks to God well enough by praying in tongues. I stub my toe on the furniture as I'm going to the bathroom in the middle of the night. There's a whole bunch of options. <laughs> but I can go, Shanamokoropo. And I know I'm giving <laughs> thanks to God well enough. Hey, listen, uh, th- there's a whole teaching on, on, on how important it is to develop a lifestyle and an attitude of thanksgiving. Um, yeah, at, I think it's uh, Psalm 50, um, where it says, if you sacrifice, um, uh, th- you know, thanksgiving, then you'll actually be able to see the salvation of God at work. There's something about, you know, you don't have to give thanks to God for everything. That's Thanksgiving 401. There is a scripture that says, give thanks to God for all things. Many of us are not ready for that one. But we can, get, we can give thanks to God in all circumstances. And when we do that, we can act, we're in a better position to see more clearly what God's doing. That's just a little side note on being filled with the Holy Spirit. The other one is this. Uh, be filled with the Word of God. Now, I'm not saying memorize all the Scripture. I'm not saying be this great th- theologian. In Ezekiel, God, God tells Ezekiel, all right, here's a scroll. Now just eat it. That's why you have pastors who go, it's good every day to have your devotions. Read the Bible. Read it. It would be great if you understand it, but even if you don't understand it, just, get, just read it. Read it. Read it. I think in Mark 4, it says that, look, if you just plant the word, you'd be like a farmer who plants seeds, goes to sleep, and, and then he wakes up and it grows and he has no idea how. How did that happen? Just spending time in Scripture, you know, you don't have to be a super study, you know, study person, but just get it in you because it's planting something in you. And then the Holy Spirit, this is in John, um, not the book you wrote, but where, where Jesus says, you know, the Holy Spirit will remind you of the things that I've said to you. There's something about just developing, just re- read Scripture because it actually gives the Holy Spirit, more to work with. 
more to work with. Here's another one. Uh, what B's do we have here? Okay, be encouraged, be open, be filled. Be an asker. I'm not talking about that whiny asking things. You know when your kids go, please, 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 can I have that? Can I have that chocolate? Can I have that chocolate? Can I have that? Not that kind of whiny asker. But there's a, an asking attitude that God really likes to develop in us. Um, think about it. If you want to prophesy, somewhere in there, you got to ask God. God, what's your heart? Use me to communicate your heart and mind. You, you, you got to do that. There's an asking thing. And the better you get at asking, then when it's game time, it's easier for you to ask in a ministry situation. So de develop this dependence on God where you're asking more than you normally do. There are so many promises. You know, um, gosh, those who earnestly seek, they find. God does not tell us what we'll find, but he says there is a reward. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. God, where are you? What are you doing? What do you want me to Just developing that thing. It doesn't mean that you're, you're object, objectionably weak. The idea is that, well, you know, when I need God, then I'll ask him. I think we need him all the time. For me, I especially need God in the places where I think I'm very strong because I'll depend more on me. Um, those who seek, find. Those who ask and keep asking, receive. Uh, one of my favorite scriptures in one for, uh, Psalm, uh, Psalm 145, 18, those who cry out are heard. You know, the Lord, um, the Lord is close to those who cry out, to those who cry out in truth. Now, I know that God hears our, he hears our hearts even before we open our mouth. And he, he knows what, what we need even before we start praying. That being said, there is something about when we, sit, when we take what's in our heart and actually open our mouths and use words. Um, there's something that God does in us when we ask that way. Have you ever just had a really bad month one day? Just horrible? And you go, oh, I'll just be a good Christian. Go, oh, Lord. You know, as opposed to go find a nice private place and just sort of pour your heart out to God and say, God, this really hurt. This really ticked me off. Again? I'm telling you this. God, can you help me? Can you help me with that person? There's something about learning how to actually cry out to God. Crying out to God, I believe that's one of the ways that we, when we pour our heart out to God, that creates places in our heart where God can pour in new stuff. And so there's something about asking in a way where we're using our mouth and it's a little more than just being polite. You don't have to do it all the time, but know that there's something about crying out to God, which is a form of asking which God really likes. Um, so be an asker. Here's another one. Be a focused worshiper of God. That doesn't mean spend 24-7 with your, your pods in your ears and just you know, jamming to music. You know, we all know that worship is a lot more than music. Um, but there is a relationship between musical worship 
and prophecy. In 2 Kings chapter 3, there are these kings, they decided to go fight a war that God did not lead them into. Things were not working. And they go, man, we need a, pro we need a prophet. And so they, get, they bring in Elisha, who, by the way, you know what his reputation was? Not as, he, he wasn't known as that guy who had the double portion. He was known as the guy who washed the hands of Elisha. His reputation, even though he was a doubly anointed prophet, his reputation was that of a servant. That's a whole another fun thing to talk about. Anyway, Elisha, he's looking at these foolish kings, and he's mad. And he, he just, I think he stepped across the line just a little bit. He goes, you know, if it wasn't for this one king, I wouldn't even talk to you. So his soul is not in a good place. It just, and it says, well, now bring a harpist. Why? So he gets his focus off the foolishness of these kings and back onto God. I mean, who knows what Elisha would have prophesied if he hadn't brought in the worship guy so he could focus on, on God. You know, God says, you guys are idiots. You're foolish, prideful men. God in his mercy. You know, he doesn't... There's something about developing the ability to focus on God in any circumstance in a place of worship. I can't tell you how many times things are not working out well, and I just, Lord, right here, I choose to worship you. Mm. It, it goes beyond giving thanks in all circumstances. And it's really amazing. Okay. I'm trying to see if there's anything prophetic. No, it's just a distraction. But developing a worshipful lifestyle, being able to focus on God and say, you're God, I'm not, and in the middle of this, you're just awesome, you are wonderful. I'm telling you, that puts you in a position to settle your soul so that if God wants to speak to you, it's less filtered. Does that make sense? You can also ask God for a true heart of worship. What does that mean? In Psalm 86, verse 11, it says, uh, Give me an undivided heart, O Lord, so that I may fear your name. Now, I don't know about you. I love God, and I love my toys, and I love my stuff, and, you know, and I love people and all that. Have you ever noticed sometimes that all those things we love sometimes conflict? It gets confusion, you know? Well, you can ask it, God, mm, all these things I really care about, but would you give me an undivided heart? An undivided heart so that I may fear your name. I'm telling you, when your heart is undivided, it's easier to hear what God is saying and how he's saying it. Come on. How many times do you have to go to your kids? Yeah, all right, go clean your room. And they're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you go, look at me. You look at me? Okay, clean your room. Okay, and then they go do it. Why? I have just magically given them an undivided heart for those, those incredible five seconds, all right? Then they, then they can really hear me and see me and fear me. No. Here's another way of being a focused worshiper of God. Check your yoke. You know, it says, when, when we come to the Lord, uh, come to the Lord, it says, uh, you know, come to me, all you who are burdened or heavy laden. You know, when you're burdened or heavy laden, you know, God doesn't go, oh, you idiots. He doesn't do that. He says, why don't you come to me? Come to me. Give me those burdens. I'll give you my yoke, and, and, and you'll be able to rest. 
I mean, there are times when, those of you who really know me, rest is like a most valuable commodity. I'm talking about emotional rest. I can sleep anytime, especially on an airplane. But there's something about that place of rest where I'm centered, where in the middle of difficulty, you know, I'm just really centered and I'm reacting. And Jesus says, yeah, come to me, take those burdens, give them to me, do a yoke exchange. What you're carrying is getting in the way of what I want you to carry. And you'll find rest for your souls and you will learn more about me. That's a fascinating thing. Many times God will give, allow circumstances to put us in a position where we exchange yokes so we can more easily hear how he's communicating to us. I mean, he's so, God wants to speak to us so, all the time. And sometimes he knows, you know what you're carrying? There's no way you can hear anything I'm saying to you. So I want you to just exchange that. Just develop the lifestyle where as soon as you go, oh, here it comes. Here it comes. Lord. Now, it doesn't mean we become passive and irresponsible. But you've got to keep on deciding who's going to run your life. Your burdens are God. And when you just keep on making that choice, it's amazing how much more clearly, you know, it seems like God communicates with us. So be a focused worshiper of God. Um, these are all a matter of choice, and you know, it takes a while to actually develop this as a lifestyle, but be yielded. Be yielded. In particular, just train your eyes, ears, and mind, and tongue. Train it. Yield your eyes. You know, look, in Romans 12, it says we're to offer up our bodies as living sacrifices. Have you noticed that wherever your body goes, you go? You know, it's, a, it's just one of those things that... Have, have you ever just wanted to do something and knowing that you're carrying the real Jesus with you? Right? He's probably just going to be real quiet. He might go, don't do that. Oh, you did it. I'll go with, there with you. It's really, no, seriously, it's really hard to hear from God when we're in the middle of willful sin. It's not like God leaves us or forsakes us. He'll just go, okay. I already whispered to you, this isn't foreign. Sometimes the, God speaks to us in silence. And the silence is like, mm, if we turn from this, what my body's doing, if I turn from that, all of a sudden I'll start hearing from God. Do enough counseling with someone. And once they just sort of, all right, I'm going to say no to this. I don't even know what I'm saying yes to. As soon as they start walking away from that thing, it's amazing how God starts leading and guiding. God's given them a reset do-over. Um, give attention, in Ezekiel chapter 44, verse 5, um, give attention to the entrances of the temple and the exits of the sanctuary. Now, look at what comes out of your life. How do you actually communicate to people on an everyday basis? And if you're cutting them down and all that sort of stuff, or you know, swearing, doing really crazy stuff, th that's what's coming out the exit what you do is, okay, what have, I, what have I allowed to be pouring into my life? It says, when it comes to commute out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth's going to speak, right? So if that's what prophecy is, you just sort of get in a position where God speaks through you, if you got garbage in there, the, the Word of God's got to go, go through that garbage. So developing a lifestyle, go, man, what's really coming out of my mouth? Man, I'm, I've been more angry lately. Man, I've just been, my lustful thoughts and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Give it to God. 
And it's amazing how fresh and clear his voice is just when we make that choice. Mark chapter 4, verse 24. It says, consider carefully what you hear. Another translation, consider carefully how you hear. It's just an amazing thing. Have you ever had someone come up to you and gossip about someone? And, and you just go, I'm not going to believe that. You know, that's just gossip. And then the next time you see them, that other person that they were gossiping, all of a sudden you're going, I wonder if it's true. I wonder if it's true. When we train our ears to, you know, what we listen to, I've made some enemies, but also some friends. People want to come to me and go, hey, you know, so-and-so, can I talk to you? I go, mm, stop, stop. Uh, have you prayed? Oh, of course. I go, look, this isn't it. You got, either got to go to God or this guy. I got his number. You want me to arrange it? You know, like you're, you're telling me, you're telling me, but mm-mm, this has got to be between. Have you ever done that one? Man, people won't want to give you gossip. You won't be on the inside, which is a good thing. Anyway, just be careful what you listen to. Uh, be careful what you watch in Psalm 101, uh, verse 3. I will set before my eyes no vile thing. Here's another one. What does our mind focus on? I don't know if... Have you ever met some people who have that ehor anointing? Well, I don't know. You know, everything's just negative, you know. That, no, I don't know if it's going to work. You know, that thing, right? Well, in Philippians, we can actually train our mind... To, to focus, because how, how we can choose to focus on all the things that aren't going to work, or I'll never make it, and I'm slow of speech, so God, you can't use me to be a spokesman, don't you know? Or, look at this, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, think about these things. Focus on those things. Um, put this instruction into practice, and then the peace of God will be with you. It'll rule your heart and mind. Isn't that interesting? You know, have you ever seen a beautiful lake just in the morning, and it's just absolutely just still? And then a little fish will go, bloop, right? See all the, when the lake's still, you know where the fish are, are, are biting. It's just an amazing thing. When we can learn to, we're not in denial of negative things, but in the middle of it, okay, what's noble? What's true? What's perfect? We train our mind to actually focus on it. When you see your kid absolutely going wacko, I mean, it's, you know, well, they're doing stupid things. If that's the only thing that you're focusing on, it would be better to go, this is really bad, but God, you started a good work in them, and I know you're going to complete it. You know, if you want to use me to help, fine, but I trust you. There's something about what do you focus on? What do you focus on? Um, Isaiah 26, 3. I will keep in perfect peace he or she whose mind has stayed on me because he or she trusts in me. I, I use that a lot. I use it a lot. This is not just to grow as a Christian. But this is absolutely indispensable in being able to learn how God wants to communicate to me and through me. When I'm walking in peace, learning how 
to walk in peace, to focus on him because I trust in him in the middle of all these sorts of things. It's amazing how much more clearly I can sense how God's communicating, uh, how he's leading me. And here's the other one. This is just it's a killer. James 3. Um, I remember asking a pastor years back. His name is Wally McGuire. And uh, he asked me, so how do you know if a Christian's mature? And, you know, I had all the right answers. I thought, so, well, you know, you got to love. Oh, yeah, that's true. Got to know your Bible. Yeah, that's sort of true. But how do you know for sure? How do you know for sure? And, I, you know, I go, Wally, obviously you have what you take to be the right answer. So I give. <laughs> so he said, read James 3. The one who can control his tongue that's the one who's mature. I'm going, wow, that's a killer. And you know, I'm really excited. And then, the, just a couple of verses uh, after that, he goes, uh, Scripture goes, but no man can control his tongue. <laughs> Doesn't that kill you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, I don't have to raise your hands, but I'm assuming since you're here, you all want to grow in maturity, okay? We all want to be mature Christians, all right? And Scripture says, if you control your tongue, you'll be a mature Christian, right? And, uh, but you can't do it. Doesn't that just sound like God? You know, love your enemy. Oh, Lord, are you serious? My, you know, love your enemy. Love your neighbor. My enemy and my neighbor are the same person. The <laughs> Antichrist lives right next door to me, right? Isn't it? God gives us commands and then puts in, oh, I just can't do it, right? Well, and I told Wally, I go, that, I see it, but God says we can't do it. He goes, yeah, no man can control his tongue. But he goes, the Holy Spirit can. And I went, yes. Listen, when you learn to surrender your tongue, I mean, look, speaking usually requires tongue, you know? Prophesying, you're saying something with your lips and your tongue. If your tongue is trained as a lifestyle, then when it's game time, God can use your tongue to really bring life. It's just an amazing thing. All right, true story. In Hammond, Indiana. No, no, I'm sorry. Peru, Indiana. Peru First Assembly Church. Great church. But the first time I ever got there, it was a rockin' and rollin' Assembly of God church. You know, it's, and uh, first time I met there, I met the pastor and all. And I really loved the people, you know. Did a couple teachings, ministered, and then Sunday morning, I'm going to really bring the word. And God just changed my whole message because he had shown me that everybody likes each other, but there was a way of communicating, you know, back channels, that there was deeply, deeply ingrained way of talking about the pastor, about church. You know, I love your brother, you know, in, in public, but private, I'm going, I can't believe Jesus died for you. There's all that kind of stuff going on. And I go, you know something? There's backbiting and gossip, but it's, it's so deeply ingrained, you're probably going to go, well, that's just how we talk. And the Holy Spirit, thank God, he came and he just convicted everybody. And I go, the key is not to try hard to be really good, but to surrender the use of your tongue. And so then now I'm, I'm going, what am I going to do? What's the, I mean, this is an assembly of God, so everything's got to be an altar call. And the idea of like 350 people coming up and laying their tongues on an altar, no. <laughs> I mean, really, I'm, they would have done it. I swear they would have done it. But I go, you know, I got the worship person. You know, let's get something going. Why don't we surrender 
our tongues to God. Everybody close your eyes. And if, 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 if you haven't been able to control your tongue and the Holy Spirit's saying, you know, I need to control your tongue. As we worship, just surrender your tongues to God. So going like this, and I had to see. I had to look. I went like this. It's about 350 people going. <laughs> but I mean, when, when you yield your tongue, it's amazing how much more useful and effective your tongue is when you prophesy. Um, how much more time do I have? Because we started... Okay, good. I'll talk really fast. Okay. All right. This is um, be a vessel of honor. All right. Um, I'll just read it. In Second Timothy chapter two, verse twenty, it says, uh, and twenty through twenty-two, in a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes, some are for base or ignoble purposes. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. What, let me tell you what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, look, get your act together, then God can use you. Because then none of us will be used. There's always, look, when you get to the place where you go, I am fully sanctified, rejoice, because you're in heaven. <laughs> you're in heaven. But until there's always going to be something. But here it says, as you go with God, if he goes, you know something, the way you're treating your wife, mm, why don't you make some changes, get some discipleship. Or how, you know, there's something about as, we don't have to work harder in our ministry, but just make changes as we go forward, and it actually makes us more useful. We don't even have to try to get better at our ministry. Just, just exchange some old things for some new, better things that God has for us. And you know, that's the process of sanctification we see in Hebrews. You know, as we're running our race, you know, God has forgiven us for everything, right? But as we run our race, we've got to give up some stuff. Some good things that aren't so good. There's some things that get in the way. And sin that so easily entangles. There's something about being a vessel honor. Uh, of honor. When we turn away from things, not so that we're more loved, but when we turn uh, away, that actually equips us to be more effective in what it is that God calls us to do. And I think that includes prophecy. Um, I got two more. Be a lover. Now you Love the church. Love the saints. Love all people. This is a goal. This is a goal that we, you know, are always growing in. Um, Got to remember, he loves the church. Those who think it's fashionable to go, well, you know, the problem with the church today. Um, I mean, if you want to get me going, have someone who, in ignorance and arrogance make sweeping generalizations about the church or certain kinds of churches. And I will immediately go, which church are you talking about? Every church? All church? I mean, because it, 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 it's just a, an arrogant, ignorant. Well, you know, small churches, they just don't have big enough vision. You know how they are. They just bless their heart, right? Don't you hate that? When people who have never been to your church 
They don't know how God's leading and guiding. They don't know your history. And some guy comes around and goes, well, you know those little churches, they've got to get their acting gear. Doesn't, wouldn't that just get you a little ticked off? Now, if Jesus died for your church and he cares about your church more than you do, don't you think he'd get a little, just a little ticked off? You're talking about my bride that way? Mm-mm-mm. Same, and you, and you know those nasty, bad, impersonal, worldly megachurches. You know how they are. Man, which one? Which one? To choose to love the church means to go, yeah, everyone's going to have something that, you know, needs work on. And if Jesus still is feeding and caring for that church, hush my mouth. Hush my mouth. Doesn't mean we can't learn from other people's, other churches' weaknesses, right? But to say, well, you know, we're better than them. Oh, it's hard to speak words of life when you think you're better than the people you're speaking to. Um, anyway, you know, the, you know the love tests? You know, it's patient and kind and, you know, doesn't... Here, just for the heck of it, I'm going to read it. In 1 Corinthians 13, this is what we call the love chapter, which is also the marriage chapter, which is not what it was designed to do, but it's a good tool. (laughs) Um, 1 Corinthians 13, try this. Try this. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, um, it does not boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Uh, I'll just stop right there. This is going to be really important because the more we have the love of Jesus really working in our life, the better our ministry will be, especially our words, especially our words. So just for the heck of it, replace the word love with the personal pronoun I and then see how you're doing. I am patient. Uh, How many of you are good at that one? That's, I'm telling you, God has done a great work in me, but there's so... Even my kids go, yeah, Dad, we see the improvement. You're not there yet. <laughs> I, have them, I have them pray for me. So, I mean, I actually told them, so look, I want you to pray for me so that if I don't grow the way you think I should go, you can blame yourself. <laughs> and they just roll their eyes. Anyway, um, I am kind. I'm not jealous or I'm not envious. I don't boast. I'm not proud. I'm not rude. I'm not self-seeking. I'm not easily angered. I used to think that when people would do things that would just tick me off, I would say, they made me angry. And then I read James. It says, you know, what causes fights and quarrels amongst you? Is it not the desires that are war war in your heart? And now I'm sitting there going, that person who ticked me off, God is using to find the area in my life that he wants to minister to. Because if I'm easily angered, that means i got a battle in my heart. It's an amazing... And the more God is actually ruling our heart, then what comes out of our heart will bring life. The connection between really growing in practical Christian love and the um, effectiveness of prophetic ministry, it's a real tight connection. And if you don't believe me, look at the first part of 1 Corinthians 13, where basically, you know, Jesus, uh, uh, Paul goes, you know, you can do all these great things, but if you don't have love, you're not impressing God. What God's view is 
develop this heart of love, and it's a lifelong thing. God will always put people in your life that will be opportunities for you to love, right? Always, always. Actually, I tell a lot of people, I said, look, you know, uh, there's a scripture that says, provoke one another to love and good deeds. I'm just doing my best to, 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 to fulfill that scripture for your sake. <laughs> that doesn't work. Anyway, you get the idea. Um, so there's something about learning to love. You know, not only is it good for us in our Christian walk and our relationships, but our ability to understand how God communicates and then to be able to communicate more effectively. One time I was with the uncles, actually the first time, and uh, what was the name? Yeah, yeah, but no, I, I knew China. I remember the, the young man who was my interpreter, TJ or? DK, right. So he's doing all this. He's a really good interpreter. And then afterwards he goes, you just changed my life. I go, how? He goes, well, one of those uncles that you prophesied, I know how he treats people. He's a little gruff and all that sort of stuff. I'm going, yeah. He says, but you didn't know any of that. And I go, I don't know any of these guys. He goes, but you sp spoke wor uh, words of love and encouragement and destiny to this guy that I know had some real problems. He goes, that just changed my whole life. I realized that's how God speaks to me. Um, that just showed that at least on that day, during those minutes, I had the love of God in me. <laughs> okay? Now, here's another, one last thing. The word is be diligent. You know, when you meet people who say, I want to do X, you find out how much they want to do X by what they're willing to put into it, right? And so, you know, I want to be prophetic. Okay, great. Are you willing to practice? Are you willing to go through the pace so you can grow in that? Or do you just want a quick fix? And I just almost, you, know, you want a good marriage? Go to a, go to a conference, and the guy will have this magic wand and go, perfect marriage. Gosh, wouldn't that be great? But we don't have that. We have principles, and then we get to work it. We work the plan. You want to grow in your ability to communicate God's heart and mind? Be diligent, meaning learn how to practice and remain teachable. Be eager to prophesy. Put yourself in positions, not in a parking lot, right, where you just grab something, hey, I got a word for you. There's something, <laughs> I won't go into that. Just be eager to prophesy. God, I'd love to be in a position where I can communicate your heart and mind. I want it, just to make that decision. And then stir up the, the gift inside you. you know, that's what Paul told Timothy. How do you do that? To stir it up. You don't have to pray until you're frothing at the mouth. To stir it up for me is just simply go, Lord, I choose to trust you. I just choose to trust the gift. Holy Spirit, I choose to trust you right now. That's how you stir it up. Everything else is secondary. And then speak by faith. Speaking by faith means you just give what you got and you don't have to dress it up in King James. You don't have to lower your voice to be more spiritual. Just Give what you got. And here's the hard part. It's what we want, but it's hard for us to pursue it. Be willing to seek and receive feedback. 
come on, when you prophesy, you want someone to tell you that you hit a home run. Man, that was life-giving. You want that, right? But we're afraid we won't get that. So that was great, man. That was a great word. Uh, the first uh, 30 seconds of that five-minute word was just spot on. <laughs> you know? I mean, to getting that feedback, if you have a culture of developing feedback, then criticism isn't really criticism. It's just helping you up your game. Um, be willing to seek and receive feedback. Be willing. The thing about seeking, I mean, if you're going to wait for Rich to chase you down or John to chase you down, go, hey, you know that word? If you give a word, don't wait for them to, fo- to, to, to seek you out. Just go, hey, what do you think? What do you think? You know, was it, you know, was it on? Did I do it? Because you know? that, that practical input, I, I think when people actually seek to improve, that's showing they actually want to do the thing. The person who just wants to do the thing without being you know, teachable and want to grow, mm, I don't think they want that thing as much um, as they say. So I'll just review real quickly. Uh, be encouraged. Be open. Be filled. Be an asker. Be a focused worshiper of God. Be yielded. Be a vessel of honor. Be a lover. And be diligent. And again, these are not rules. These are not qualifications. Don't, don't go to Rich and go, well, I've done them all. Now can I be a prophet? <laughs> these things, I think we can all work on and grow in. So whatever we're called to do will be more effective, but especially in the area of prophecy. So I want to pray. Lord, thank you. You want us to prophesy. You want us to communicate supernaturally your heart and mind to people and to groups and to churches, even to nations. You want us to do that. Lord, would you just sort of adjust our hearts in such a way that we're willing to be taken to the next levels of effectiveness. God, we ask that you would do this for our sake because it's fun to grow. Do this for the sake of the people that we say we care about. And God, would you do that for the sake of your name, which we carry with us wherever we go. Amen.